0: Amen. Amen. You are our hope. You are our reason that we live and move and breathe. And we just thank you and praise you. You are a great and an awesome God. Lord, we ask as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would speak. Give us ears to hear what you want to say to us this morning. We ask and pray that man would decrease, that your spirit would increase, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Welcome again to Calvary Chapel. Great to see you. I hope I'm not breaking anything by moving that. Hey, I'm new here too, what what can I tell you? (laughs) All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Jude. If you are somebody who's not in the Bible a lot, it's the second to last book of the Bible, and I pray that if you hang out here very long, you're going to get real familiar with the Word of God, amen? You know, our theme verse here at Calvary Chapel is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you want your faith to grow, you need to spend time in the Word of God. Read the book, don't wait for the movie, amen? Amen? Open that thing up, spend some time in it, and let God transform your life. Now, if you're new to Calvary Chapel, you also need to know this. We just go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, right through the Bible. Nine years ago when we started, we started in Matthew, and now we're getting close to the end of the New Testament. So we are in Jude 1 tonight, or tonight, today... Up all night. That's what happens to you. Jude 1 today, uh, you know, not by chance. God knew you were going to be here, but you need to know it's a very direct and exhortive text. And, you know, if you've never met me before, it's hard for me to be exhortive, so I'll try, okay? <laughs> okay, see, the new people got no idea what that meant, but we're we'll also being 2 Samuel chapter 1 on Wednesday night, so let me encourage you to come out for that. All right, the book of Jude. Jude. Now, the theme of Jude is to contend earnestly for the faith, for faith in face of of false teachers. And we've been talking about this, we talked about it in John, we talked about it in Peter, how at the time of the early church, there were a lot of false teachers who crept in and were teaching lies. Lies that would drag away these brand new Christians or those who were seeking out to know God from the truth. I was trying to think of an illustration that would help us understand this in a more clear way that we can relate to. So when we see how direct the word of God is, we might better understand. What I thought about, because I'm a dad and now a grandfather, I, you know, if my kids were up on it, we went out hiking and they got separated from me and they were up on a mountain somewhere and a fire broke out and I had a GPS system and I had a phone and I was able to talk to them and tell them how to get out of that fire and to survive but as I'm trying to direct them in the only way that will save them, somebody comes along and tries to take them in another direction. I think I'd be yelling pretty loud on the phone. Amen? Why? Because I'm concerned about my kids' safety. I'm concerned about them not, you know, facing the, their, their imminent death. And here's the truth. This letter is written with that heart. Written from God through Jude to these precious people concerned that false teachers were coming in and leading them away from the truth into something that would destroy them. And so as we see how exhortive this is, maybe we'll better understand it. So Jude, again, I think of all the letters written In the New Testament, about false teachers, this is by far the most exhortive. The outline of Jude, we're not going to look at the whole book this morning, but we're going to see the purpose of it again is to contend for the faith. And guys, if you're not paying attention to the news, you need to, because we need to contend for our faith in this country, amen? You know, more and more, it's becoming unpopular for you to stand up and talk about your faith. People will tell you, oh, well, separation of church and state. I had to correct one of my coworkers this week and let them know it's not in the Constitution. Amen? It's not in there. And even if it was, so what? Amen? We're Christians first, we're Americans second. Amen? And we need to remember that. Praise God for our country. But we need to stand up for the truth, especially in a time when people are trying to draw people away with the lie. So the purpose is to contend for your faith. And then he's going to describe the false teachers. We're only going to look at some of them this morning. And then finally, the defense against the false teachers that we'll look at in a couple of weeks. So if you're a note-taker this morning... Three points to the message. I title it, Contending for the Faith. First, by humbly reminding other believers of all the blessings they have in Christ. How many times has some other believer encouraged you just right on time? Amen? You get down, you get your focus on stuff, you get your focus on the world, you get your focus on the economy, and you need someone to come along and remind you, hey, you're going to heaven. Amen? And if nobody's told you lately, you're going to heaven. Is there anything better than that? Okay, that was weak. I know we're in the new building, and I know the sound's not as good, but we're going to heaven, amen? Okay, that was better. All right. Old youth pastor, you got to recall, you know, we got to have a little conversation going here. I'm going to think you're napping, all right? I don't want that. All right, so by humbly reminding other believers of all the blessings they have in Christ, number two, by being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading to stand for the truth. It's exactly what happens to Jude. He starts to write a different letter, and as he's writing it, the Holy Spirit prompts him that he needs to contend for the truth. And then finally, by continually pointing people back to the Word of God, because that's where the answers are, amen? All right, well, let's begin in verse 1, contending for the faith by humbly reminding other believers of all the blessings they have in Christ. It says there in verse 1, Jude a bond servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, Jude. Now, again, if you're new, when they wrote letters back then, they were written on scrolls. And when you wrote on a scroll, of course, you had to unroll the entire thing to read it. So they would always put the author's name at the very top so that people didn't have to unroll the entire scroll to find out who was writing. So the very first word, most typically in an epistle, which is just another word for a letter, is the person who wrote it. And the person who wrote its name is Jude. Now, Jude could also be Judas or Judah. And I'm thinking, if I could have one of those names be, to be referred to, I'm thinking Judas would probably be off the list right about now. Amen? Now Judas was a very popular name at the time because of mainly because of Judas Maccabees, who was viewed as a you know a hero to the people during a revolt that had happened a couple hundred years earlier. But That name could be referred to as Jude, Judah, or Judas, and all of them mean the same thing. They mean this, praise. It means praise. And so that's what his name means, and he introduces himself. And he says, Jude, and that's who wrote the letter. But then he says this in describing himself, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Now, in Matthew 13, 55 Speaking of Jesus, it says, Is this not the carpenter's son, is not his mother called Mary, and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? This Jude is not only a bondservant of Christ and the brother of James, but he is the brother of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're here this morning and you were taught growing up that Mary was a perpetual virgin, well, you need to read the Bible. Because the Bible would tell you that's not the case. Now, Mary was blessed among women, but she was a sinner in need of a Savior just like us. Amen? God used her mightily and praise God for that. But you know what? When, we, when people start elevating her and start you know, praying to her, we don't pray to anybody but the Father through the Son. Amen. Amen? Jesus Christ alone. He's the one who intercedes on our behalf. And we don't pray to Mary. If, there could, if anybody could be upset in heaven it would be Mary she'd say stop praying to me stop it okay amen you know I, I, didn't, I just came to this new church and already I'm just getting blasted what's up with that now here's the thing Jude along with his brothers here's the sad part he did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah until after he rose from the dead that means he grew up with him his entire life jesus his big brother now of course we know half brother right same mom different dad amen okay so his half brother but can you imagine being jesus's little brother now i would think it'd be awesome but can you also imagine those of you who thought you had a big brother or big sister that your mom said why can't you be more like them how would you like why can't you be more like your brother and you know what? None of them believed for a great amount of time. You know, I'll probably, I could just see him saying, Mr. Goody Two Sandals. You know, why don't you just, <laughs> can't you just see it? But even though they grew up in the same house with the creator of the universe, the great I am, God in human flesh, they still didn't believe. And again, it's proof that all men and women have free will. It's proof that you can grow up in a Christian home. You can grow up, in this case, in a house of the Messiah, See the miracles, hear his teaching and still not believe because every one of us in this room and everyone who's ever lived has free will. Now we do know this, they came to believe in the Lord after he rose from the dead. No doubt all they had seen over the years, that perfect behavior, all the miracles, his teaching with authority, finally being drawn by the Holy Spirit, they came to see him as more than their earthly brother, but their Lord and Savior. Now, I believe that one of the reasons that he's how he introduces himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, he doesn't say anywhere in there, brother of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty carnal sometimes, and I think I'd had a hat made up, Jesus' brother, or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, people mess with you, do you know who my brother is? Do you have any idea who you're messing with, right? Can you imagine? But he's not that carnal, praise God. You know what it is instead? A couple of things that people believe. One, that he could have been absolutely ashamed of the fact that he did not ever, he did not come to a saving knowledge until after his brother had risen from the dead. But also, I believe it's just an act of humility. Because here's the reality. Being his earthly brother is not going to get him into heaven, but being his bondservant will. Amen? Amen. And better than the blood that flows through our veins is having the blood of the cross of Calvary in common. Amen? Amen. That, his, that his sins had been washed away. We get to look at Acts and you find out, it says, with those in the upper room waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it says, these all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So he goes from not believing to not many days later, being in the upper room with the believers, praying, and waiting for the giving of the Holy Spirit. While he had denied Jesus earlier, Jude, now knowing who Jesus is, could again have become prideful, but instead he remains humble. Being prideful would have, would have been tragic. It would have taken the focus off of the Lord, and we never, ever want to do that. Amen? We should never, ever. You know what? There's one celebrity in Christianity, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we don't elevate man, we elevate him. And when, when God does something great through us, we give him all the glory. And here's Jude having that same heart. Now, a bondservant of Jesus. The word bondservant there is doulos. And it means a slave by choice. Here's how that worked. After seven years of serving, let's say you were indebted to somebody and you couldn't pay the debt. Here's what they would do. You could go and you could work for that person for seven years. and At the end of the seven years, your debt was paid and you could go free. But if at the end of that seven years, you said, you know what? I love living here. I love being a part of this family. You know what? I know I can go, but I don't want to. And what they would do is they would take you into town and there they would take and drive an awl through the person's ear. And it was a mark of ownership. And what happened was, they went from being a slave by law to a slave by love. Where they said, okay, I could go free, but I don't want to go free. I want to be bound to you for the rest of my life by choice. That's what the word bondservant means. He says, I am bound to Jesus Christ, not by law, but by love, by choice, and I'm committed for the rest of my life. Boy, do we need some bondservants in the kingdom of God today. Amen? Amen? may we go beyond just the name Christian, follower of Jesus Christ, but may our lives be bound up in him. So his relationship by spiritual rebirth is more important than his physical birth, and now he's made this this heartfelt commitment. He's a bondservant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. So In these letters, because it's a scroll, at the top you see who's writing, and then right after that you usually see who he's writing to. Here's what it says. To those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. So the letter is written first to those who are called. Now, who's called? Raise your hand if you think you're called. If your hand's not up, you need to get saved, then you're called. Amen? Amen. Word up. Here's the deal. Called means Christian. If if you are a Christian, you are called. So this letter is written to Christians. So Jude, bondservant of Jesus Christ, is writing this letter to Christians. And notice he doesn't just call them called. Now, first of all, the reason we're called, because guys, salvation does not originate with us, it originates with him. Amen? He calls us. Now, we must respond salvation offered universally must be accepted individually and i guarantee this is an absolute fact even if you're here today you were invited by a friend or you just came because you know you heard there was a new opening or whatever and you're here today and you've never given your life to jesus christ i promise you there have absolutely been times when god is calling you unto himself but now it's up to you to respond and you may have tried everything else in the past You may have tried money, you may have tried, you know, career, you may have tried relationships, you may have tried drugs, or alcohol, or or comfort, or possessions, or whatever else, and you know what, after a while, the new car smell wears off on whatever it is you're pursuing that's physical, amen? You get the bigger house, and then after a while, so what? You get the new car, and then so what? You get the new relationship, and that's wonderful, and that can be godly, but guys, there's something more. God's created everybody in this room with a God-shaped vacuum. That's what St. Augustine said, that there's something missing. And what's missing is a relationship with Almighty God. And until you know Him, you're gonna walk around feeling like something's missing. And if you try to put something else in there, you'll never, your flesh will never, ever, ever be satisfied. And so the word called there speaks of our relationship initiating with Him. He calls us unto Himself, and now we respond to Him. May we not try to fill the void with anything else but the Lord. And then he says this. Those who are called and sanctified by God the Father. The word sanctified simply means set apart. Now here's the reality, guys. God didn't call you just so he could put you on a shelf and look at you. Amen? He didn't call you to be big, fat, best-fed sheep in town, right? Mm, Just walking around. Oh, feed, 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 feed. Why why is the dead Sea dead? Go upstairs, there's a great picture of the Dead Sea in the children's ministry, but the Dead Sea is dead because it's all inlet and no outlet, and God didn't call you to be the Dead Sea. He called us to be like the Jordan River, amen? That out of us would flow living water, and we would not only be saved ourselves, but impacting lives around us. I would go this far to say, if you've been born again, it ought to be evident in the way that you're impacting not only your life, but the lives of those around you, amen? Let me ask you a question. If we went to work or to school or to your neighborhood and we asked people whether or not they thought about you, what would be, and they said, give me three words about them. Would Christian be in the top three? I would hope so. Amen? I hope we would be so identified with Jesus Christ, that would be the first word out of their mouth. And Lord, help us to go beyond just having the get-out-of-hell-free card and being satisfied, living a life that's just like the world and is having no impact on eternity. And that's kind of how this letter is being written. It's to the called and the sanctified. From the word sanctified is where we get the word saint. And it simply means set apart one. And here's another question. Who are the saints? We are. We are. It's not dead people who performed a miracle and now have a statue of them where people kiss the toe. That's not it. Amen? The saints, you know, it's been said, I love it, you're either a saint or an ain't. Amen? You've either been born again or you haven't. You're either, you know God or you don't. You can't be kind of a Christian. So I mean kind of pregnant, right? I mean, you are or you're not. So either you've been saved or you haven't. So if you're here this morning, and again, I just invited by, you know, I heard they had like a new building, I was going to get some coffee, and now, hey guys, God brought you here for a reason, amen? And the Lord loves you, and don't leave here without Him, amen? Today's a day of salvation, the Lord loves you, let us all be set apart unto Him. God did save us, and He didn't just save us to put us on a shelf, but that we might be tools in His hands. Every one of us in this room, if you've been born again, you have a gift. And God wants you to use it. Boy, and was it evident putting this building together, amen? Amen. Man, people just, I was so blessed, so incredibly encouraged. So, to the called and the set apart, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Christ Jesus. He not only saves us and sets us apart to use us, but He holds on to us. He guards us and protects us, and aren't you glad? Can you imagine living this life without the Lord? I, I can't even imagine. I have people say, and you've heard me say it before, it's hard to be a Christian. No, it's hard to not know God. It's hard to live life and try to figure out what life is all about and just wander around banging into wall after wall. You know, and the, the reality is, the Bible says, before we knew the Lord, we were blind. We just don't get it. We don't see. We don't understand. We don't know what the meaning of life is. And then we come to know Him, and it all makes sense. Amen? It's not always easy. It's not always perfect. But you know what? The fact that I know that I'm in His hand takes all the pressure off. You know what? There's peace in the sovereignty of God. Amen? And you know what? This letter is written to those who are not only called by God and set apart by God, but are being preserved by Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that He didn't preserve and protect you because of your good works or your best efforts. He does it because of who you are in Jesus Christ. Guys, it's nothing we've earned. You didn't earn salvation. You don't get to heaven because you're better than the person next to you. God doesn't grade it on the curve. He grades at the cross. Amen? And either we've come to the cross, broken before him, either we've allowed him to take our sins upon himself, or we're going to pay the price ourselves. This letter is being written with that heart of concern as these false teachers are creeping into the church. Now he's going to encourage them finally. He says this, Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you and sometimes we can read through those words and not think much of it but guys we're not only called and sanctified and preserved but we're recipients of God's greatest blessings guys how many of you are very 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 thankful that you are receiving God's mercy okay grace is being given what you don't deserve mercy is being not being given what you do deserve I don't want what I deserve amen don't ever say that again. Just move that out. I don't deserve. Oh, really? Do you? Want? No, I don't. I want mercy. Amen? I want grace. Give me what I don't deserve and please, please, please don't give me what I do. And here he is writing this letter saying, hey, mercy to you guys. Oh, thank you. We need to be reminded of that. Isaiah 53 says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, but he, has, he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. Guys, we deserve to die for our sin and be separated from Almighty God for all eternity. That's what we deserve. But mercy says that he took it for us. He took our place so we don't have to get what we deserve. Amen and amen to that. Amen. That's good stuff. Not only mercy, but peace. Without mercy, you'll never have peace. Because of Christ's work on the cross, believers can enjoy peace. And peace is not the absence of war. It's right standing with God. Romans 8 says, The unsaved person is at war with God and cannot please Him. But when we trust Him as Savior, the war ends and we receive His peace. You've all seen that bumper sticker. N-O-Jesus, N-O-Peace. No Jesus, no peace. But K-N-O-W-Jesus, no Jesus, no peace. Amen? If you don't have Jesus, you can't have peace. You can have temporary fulfillment. You can have temporary joy, but it will not last. And he's encouraging them, these believers who are in the midst of this trial, midst of false teachers, mercy, peace. And he says, and love be multiplied to you. The word there for love, I'll give you one guess. What is it in the Greek? Agape. Very good. Somebody does pay attention. That blesses me. That encourages me. But here's the point Agape, as you know, and for those of you who don't, in the Bible, you've got three, well, there's five words used for love, but three main words, agape, phileo, and eros, or aaron. Eros is a self-centered love where we get the word erotic. It's what can you do for me? Phileo is where we get the, the word Philadelphia, and it speaks of brotherly love. But agape is a selfless love where you love someone outside of yourself more than yourself. And it's described as the love a mom has for a newborn baby. I'll give my life, I'll do anything. That's the kind of love that God has for you. His love is so much for you that he loves you, loves someone outside of himself more than himself, and he proved it by going to the cross of Calvary. So he says, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. As born again Christians, we are called by God, set apart for His glory, preserved in Christ, held on to by Him, and we are recipients of His greatest blessings His mercy, not given what we deserve, His peace, no longer at war, but walking in peace, and His love, His inexhaustible, unending, unconditional, selfless, agape love that is growing, being multiplied to you, that should be growing in us every single day. That's good stuff. Amen. That's the greeting of the letter. How good is that? Tell me the Bible doesn't rock. Why would you teach anything else but this book? Amen? This is it. Anything less than a whole Bible make, you know, makes, does not make a whole Christian. We need a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. Amen? That's why we teach all of it, and all of it is in there for. A reason. So, contending for the faith by humbly reminding other believers of all the blessings that they have in Christ. Again, he starts off writing this letter. He's about to bring some heavy exhortation, but before he does, he lets them know just how much he loves them. He lets them know just how much God loves them. He lets them know just how blessed they are. Now, he's going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading to stand for the truth. Look at verse 3. Beloved, he used that word a lot, well, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. So this is an expression of great love and affection. And he says, I was very diligent to write to you. So out of his love for them, Jude had set out to write to them from his heart a letter about their common salvation. He was gonna write to them and say, hey, we've got Jesus in common. Hey, praise God for our common salvation. Praise God. Now the word common there, Today, it can be used in a couple different ways. I I used to collect baseball cards when I was a kid. And the cards that were really of almost no value, they called them commons. They were like common. They were of no value. That's not what this word is talking about. It's not like common, that it's worthless. It's common that you and I have it in common. That we have the same salvation. Now what does that mean before we move on? Common salvation, for those of you who don't know, let's make it very, very clear. Every person on this planet who gets to heaven will get there the same way. Amen? It's not Jesus in America and Europe and Buddha in Asia and Muhammad in the Middle East and Confucius somewhere else and the New Age movement in Santa Cruz or whatever, right? Right? It's not the most elevated guru. Here's the reality. And I know, for those of you who have been here a long time, you've heard me say this before, so bear with me. You know I'm repetitive anyway, and you keep coming back, so there it is. Here's the point. Here's the point. Buddha, dead. Muhammad, dead. Confucius, dead. Mary Baker, Eddy dead. Joseph Smith, Mormon Church, dead. Jesus Christ, risen and living Savior who triumphed over sin and death. Amen? Amen. Anybody else who died can't give you eternal life. Amen. There it is. And guys, all the writings of all these other men, they're, f- they're filled with flaws. They're a mess. The Bible, it's perfect because God wrote it. Amen? Amen? And so this exhortation to them is, look, we have a common salvation. We all get to heaven the same way. We all get to heaven through Jesus Christ and him alone. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. That's pretty clear. Amen? He's the only way. But I'm glad there's not 50 different ways because that'd be too confusing. I'm glad that he loved us enough and he knows how thick we are that he made one way and he made it really clear. And you know, I pray this morning if you're trying to get there any other way that today would be the day that you'd find the real way, the real truth, amen? So he was going to write this letter of you know, common bond of salvation. Hey, we're all saved the same way this is wonderful let me write you this letter to encourage you but as he sits down to write this letter the holy spirit prompts his heart and here's what he says so i was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation but then he says i found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints i found it an urgency in his heart the holy spirit grabbed a hold of his heart and as he was writing one letter god moved him to write something else now you realize that while men pen these letters god's the one writing amen jews is a tool in the hands of the master the way we know that is you know how do you have 600 old testament prophecies all fulfilled in the new testament unless god's writing amen how do you have the Bible fitting perfectly unless God's writing? But as Judas sitting down and writing out this letter, God moves him to go from talking about their common salvation, that it's wonderful, to exhort them to stand up, to contend for the faith. To contend earnestly. This is the theme and the purpose of this entire letter. The word there, contend earnestly, is really one word in Greek, which means to agonize. It speaks of the agony exerted by an athlete in a contest or a soldier in a battle. It speaks of the struggle being ongoing and continuous. Guys, as Christians, if we are living out loud for Jesus Christ, we will face resistance. Amen? Now, we should not face resistance because we're jerks. Amen? You know, I've had co-workers who said they were Christians, and maybe they were, but they were just plain obnoxious. And you know what? People go, dude, you're obnoxious. And they'll go, I'm being persecuted. No, you're being obnoxious. You're being a jerk. You're not being persecuted. How about they shall know us by the love we have one for another? How about it's kindness that leads people to repentance? How about we love on them first, and when God gives the opportunity for us to share the truth, we share that truth in love. How about that? Amen? A lot more effective, isn't it? Aren't you glad that, you know, again, you've heard me say this before, I have yet to see anybody get saved when a guy's got a blow horn. Amen? You're going to fry in hell! Oh, that's effective. Oh, let me just stop right now then. yo, oh, you're right. Hey, hey well, I want what you have. Can I have what you have? You know, guys, I pray that our love relationship with God would be so, so on fire that people would want to know Jesus just because they see what Jesus is doing in us. Amen? That should be our heart. You know what? Let's sacrificially love others. Let's lay down our life for others. Someone asks you to do something at work, even if you don't want to do it, do it anyway. Your neighbor needs help, help him. Amen? Go above, go beyond. Why? Because that's what Jesus would do. And that's an opportunity for you to be salt and light to a world that so desperately needs Him. The Spirit of God changes his tract of thinking. Why? Because this church needed to hear about the fact that they needed to stand up. They needed to contend for the faith, contend earnestly for the faith. You know, the Bible tells us that Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When the enemy is in the field, the watchman dare not go to sleep. Christianity is a battleground, not a playground. Amen? So what are we contending for? What is it that is important that we stand up for? Can I say this? Yeah, we should vote, but ultimately, who cares? I'm just being honest. Why? Because you can vote and get everybody you want in, and we should do that, but I'm far more interested in seeing someone saved than seeing someone elected. Amen? And our passion and our focus and our desire ought to be, hey, that we're not known for how political we are, and we're not known for, for anything else but Jesus Christ Him crucified and risen from the dead. That's what we're known for. And people should say, you know what? I want to know that God because I see God in you so what are we to stand for the faith what is the faith it's the truth of God's word that has been delivered to us I mentioned this on Wednesday if you were at the old place on Wednesday you know I was at the pastor's conference last week and God was really stirring up my heart with the reality that The Word of God has been handed to us 2,000 years. Well, you know, go back to the Old Testament, 6,000 years. But 2,000 years, and the Word of God's been handed to us, and it's our opportunity now to move forward with it. Apostle Paul's not coming to your job site. Amen? None of the writers of the Bible are showing up. Charles Hatton Spurgeon's not coming anytime soon. D.L. Moody. None of those guys. Guess what? It's our turn to stand up for the truth. It's been handed to us. Let's not be ashamed of it, especially living in Santa Cruz, Holy Cross. Amen? You know, if you don't know this, less than 2% of the people in this county claim to be Christians. That's amazing. That means 50 people in the room, one person. That means, guess what, guys? we got a work cut out for us, but guess what? Greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. And it doesn't matter what the enemy wants to do, our God can do greater things. And I'm just looking forward to what God is going to do, amen? Aren't you glad that someone loved you enough to share the truth with you? We're to live out our faith by living holy and uncompromising Christian lives, giving all credit to the Lord. We're to contend earnestly for the faith, the truth of God's word delivered to us as the set apart ones. How do we do that? We boldly and unashamedly stand up for the truth in the midst of a lost and a dying world. And again, not standing up for personal opinion or political ideology. And again, it's okay to do that to a degree. But for us, it should be the truth that saves the lost and sinful person. The truth that was once delivered into the hands of the saints, into our hands. Guys, the word of God is under attack in this country. I went to the pastor's conference and praise God it got overturned but they went to a Bible study at a house in San Diego and told them they couldn't have a Bible study there. And they told them they couldn't have a Bible study. They said, do you pray in Jesus' name? Do you read the Bible? Do you sing songs? Do you say amen? Well, then you need to get a special license like a church or you can't have a Bible study in a home. That's communist Russia. Guys, that's the direction we're moving I'm not trying to be an alarmist. What I'm trying to say is, guys, be prepared that it won't always be as easy as it might be right now for us to do what I'm doing right now. It could soon become a hate crime to teach some verses I'm about to teach. But praise God that you know we answer to God above all else. We submit to the authorities God has placed over us until they tell us to do something contrary to the word of God, amen? All right. Our call is not to a self-righteous argument but to share the hope that lies within us with the lost and the dying world. And I pray, and I know I fall short. At times I pray I do less and less. I pray that the people I know would know that I love them and I'm sincere about it and I'm not trying to win anything from them. I love them, I'm concerned about where they spend eternity. It breaks my heart. Can I tell you what will transform the person you are at school, at home, or at work? Start praying for the people in your neighborhood, at your workplace. Uh, in your school by name seriously i have a list of my coworkers. i pray for them by name when you do that you know what happens you start to love them more you start to be burdened for them more you have a heart and a desire to see them to see them saved you want to reach out to them any way that you can so contend earnestly is to agonize we are to fight for this with every ounce of strength within us because this is the battle we cannot afford to lose. Guys, this is eternity hanging in the balance. Amen? This is not a political election that we're going to have another one in four years. This is people's eternity hanging in the balance. If you've read Luke 16, the man that is suffering and torment says, please go back and tell my family it was too late for him. As long as people are walking on this planet, it's not too late for them to be saved. Amen? And God's got us in their lives for a reason. You contend. He says there, you contend. Right? To you exhorting you to contend. That means it's not just for the pastor to contend. It's for all of us to contend. And it says, once and for all, deliver to the saints, you stand up for the uncompromising truth of God's word not to be changed or added to. Amen? We don't change the Bible. We don't need any, any appendages to and you know, extra word Books in the Bible. We don't need to add anything to the Bible, amen? The Bible is perfect. You know, it's interesting. My, my wife and I were at a, a game yesterday, and my wife's talking to the gal behind us, and she starts telling us that she saw this thing on the History Channel that they found the Garden of Eden. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Right. History Channel. And then she says, and then there was a special about Adam's first wife, Lilith. And I'm like, I'm like, "You know, I, 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 what? <laughs> Lilith, wasn't it like Fraser's wife or something? <laughs> Lilith. What in the world? Well, you know, they took it out of the Bible because it was embarrassing to them, and Lilith was his first wife, and no, there's no Lilith. You know what happens, guys? Here's what happens. You know what's a dangerous combination: arrogance and ignorance. And I'm not, you know, the lady, I'm not bummed at her at all. I, you know, God bless her, and I, I want to reach out to her in love. I'm concerned when, the, you know, the history channel. Who do you think? Oh, you know, we're the history channel. We got, no, you don't know any. You know what? You're dumb. <laughs> How about opening the Bible before you try to teach something about it? You. Amen? You know, the lady goes on. Well, there, we know there's, there's hundreds of contradictions in the Bible. I said, really? Well, name one. Then they always stutter. I've never had anybody name one. Name one. Uh, well, I, I, I just know they're in there. <laughs> Have you read the Bible? Well, not really. Much. So you're an expert on something you haven't read before. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you found contradictions of something you never spent time in. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. Right? Here's the reality. The reality is that ignorance and arrogance together ends up in eternal destruction separated from God. And we need to love people enough to not be looking at them and say, how foolish is that? Instead, say, wow. They need to know Jesus. Amen? They need to come to saving knowledge of him. And guys, there's going to be the history channels that attack your faith. There's going to be the false teachers that come in and teach lies. That's why you and I must know the truth so we don't fall for the lie. Amen. You laughed when I said Lilith, but you only laughed because hopefully you've read Genesis and you know she's not in there. Amen. But if you hadn't read it, you'd be like, "Oh, really? Lilith, okay." You wouldn't Guys, that's why we read the Bible. And that's why you shouldn't just read it on Sunday when you come here. We have the answer. We must not hide it. So why this urgent exhortation to contend for the faith? Here's why. Why why do we need to contend for it? He says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for condemnation, ungodly men, who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, False teachers have come into the church. Note how they came in. They crept in unnoticed. A false teacher doesn't wear, you know, a banner on his head. that's this false teacher. You know, he comes into the church, and I found this about most false teachers. They go and find a place where people already are, and then they try to come in and find the people that are brand new in their faith and kind of draw them away, and then, but I've got a deeper truth. Pastor's a good guy. I've got a deeper truth i got a better truth. We've dealt with that here in the nine years we've been here. Not a lot of times, but a few. And they usually go and find someone who's brand new. Someone just got baptized. Someone just came forward. Ooh, candidate. And they run up and they start teaching them their deeper truth. Well, that's what has happened in the church. These false teachers have come in. And we know that one of the main things was Gnosticism. We've been talking about that in, in, in 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 John's letters. Gnostics, Gnostic means knowledge. That's why agnostic means without knowledge. You might want to tell that the next time someone tells you they're an agnostic. It means I don't know. It, it literally is a synonym for ignoramus. I'm not kidding. Look it up. But here's, I, don't be arrogant about that. I go, dude, you know, agnostic means I don't, without knowledge. I'm just, you know, because most of the time they're arrogant when they say, well, I'm an agnostic. Well, I'm an ignoramus. I mean, I, I don't think we, I just don't, I don't think that it would come across that way. I'm just saying, but love, you know, don't, you know. Don't give them this tape. They probably wouldn't be very happy. Here's the point. False teachers that crept in unnoticed, that means they slip in secretly by a side door, is is the way it's written. The enemy knows that, again, one wolf within the flock can do more damage than a thousand on the outside. So if you can get one into the church and have that one teaching lies and have enough people believe that there was a Lilith. Have enough people believe that there's another path to God. Have people believe that Jesus isn't the only way. If I can get enough people to believe. Guys, we're living in a day right now where pastors stand up behind pulpits like this and say Jesus was not born of a virgin. That Jesus did not rise from the dead. That Jesus Christ never claimed to be God. And they're standing up here with the Bible open and teaching it. Now guys, people will fall for that lie if they don't spend time in this book. Amen? And these false teachers are creeping in, and so he's exhorting them. You need to contend for the faith. Why? Because in your church, there are false teachers. Why do I, we hand out Bibles to you guys? Because I want you looking at it while I'm teaching it. Why? Because I need to be accountable. I'm a sinner saved by grace, just like you guys. I'm one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. Amen? That's all. And so he's exhorting them. He says, who long ago were marked out for condemnation. While they were unnoticed by men, they were not unnoticed by God. God had already prophesied that they were coming and marked them out for condemnation. They might fool men, but they won't fool God. And you know what? They're going to face righteous judgment. So how do we recognize them? Don't be fooled by robes and titles. Can I say that? Just because someone has a title by their name, just because someone calls himself pastor, just because somebody has you know, letters after their name or they wear a robe or they're in a position of authority within a church, that means absolutely nothing if their doctrine is not sound. Amen? If they're not teaching the truth, so what? The Pope needs to be saved. Amen? Just like the rest of us. We all need to be saved. We don't get to heaven because we have a title. God's not impressed with titles. Matter of fact, it's better not to have a title. You know, by the way, if you want to be a pastor, pastor means servant. That's what it means. It means under rower. The guy in the bottom of the boat rowing, when no, that's what it means. If you want to be a servant, that's what God's called us to be. Not pe- people with positions so that we can earn the praise of men. So how do we recognize them? It says there they are ungodly men. They're irreverent or wicked men who claim to know God or even to speak for God, but their actions directly contradict the word of God. Instead of holy and reverent men who walk in the fear of God, they're unholy, irreverent men who have no fear of God. So they're ungodly in their actions, but also note their message. It says, who turn the grace of our God into lewdness. They turn the grace of God into an excuse for sin. Again, the Gnostics, one of their beliefs was that Your physical body and your spiritual body are two separate things. So you can walk an aisle and pray a prayer and become a Christian in your spirit. And then it doesn't matter what you do in your flesh because they're separated from each other. So they're turning the grace of God into lewdness. They're turning the grace of God into permission to sin instead of redemption from it. And guess what? We see that in the world today. Hey, you know, whatever. We're, sin is being condoned everywhere. Now, here's the truth. We're all sinners. Who sinned this week? Raise your hand. You know what's common? If your hand's on up, you're lying right now and you just sinned again. Here, the truth is that we are all sinners saved by grace. But the truth is, and you've heard me say this, you know, we're not sinless, but we should sin less. And as Christians, we ought to live in such a way that would draw others unto Christ and if we say we're Christians but nothing changes, there needs to be fruit, amen? There's been, you know, I'm an apple tree. Where's your apples? I ain't got none. 20 years later, you're not an apple tree, you're a stick. If you say you're a Christian, if you say you're a Christian but you never exhort likeness, nobody ever sees the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, no, never standing for the truth of God, never having the heart of a servant, you're not, you're not a Christian, amen? Because guess what? When you became a Christian, you died and the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And if the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, it's going to be evident to the world around us. These guys were saying they were Christians, but they were living ungodly lives and they were taking the grace of God as an excuse to go out and live the most sinful, ungodly life that they possibly could. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Romans, it says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. They not only turn God's grace into permission to live lewd and sinful lifestyles, but then it says, and they deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They deny the Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They deny what the Bible says about Jesus. They deny his deity. If you guys were here a year ago, I, I showed a video and some people weren't happy that I did it. And I had to pray about it, and I struggled with it. But I showed a video of two very well, well, one very well-known guy, and another guy who's in a very high position, and both of them, when asked, is Jesus Christ the only way to heaven, said no. You know what that makes them? False teacher. Amen? Because, guys, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. He either is the only way or he's not any way. Because he's either Lord or he's liar. Amen? Jesus said he's the only way. If someone, someone says he's, there's another way, they're calling Jesus Christ a liar. When he said it is finished on the cross of Calvary, they're saying he's lying. Guys, we're not trying to be, you know, we're not on a witch hunt. We're not trying to go out and find people that we can have a problem with. But when I hear that, what we need to do is pray for them and encourage people to go find a church where the word of God is being taught. Amen. They deny what the Bible teaches about Jesus. If you want to know where somebody is, next time you go to what you're, ask them, who do you say that Jesus is? Who's Jesus to you? And if their answer is anything other than, He is God. He is the only way to salvation. He is not only the Son of God, he's God the Son. He came to earth, he suffered and died, he rose from the dead, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and only through him can I be saved. And through his blood I've been redeemed. Guys, anything less than that, it's not the Jesus Christ of the Bible. Amen? So, I know I'm driving this point home, but he's driving this point home. If you want to find out who the false teachers are, ask them about Jesus. Like so many today... These false teachers want God's grace to allow them to continue in their sinful behavior without consequences. They want heaven but refuse to live for the Lord and and put Him in His rightful place on the throne of their lives. The easiest way, again, to identify them is who do you say Jesus is. Okay, we're going to go through these last three verses fairly quickly because I want to give you three examples of actions that brought about God's righteous judgment. And again, I was reading these verses to some of my assistant pastors, and they're like, "Well, when you get done with that, nobody'll think we're secret sensitive." <laughs> Amen. Oh yeah, that's not what I was looking for. I wanted the seven steps to financial freedom. Where's that class? Where's three ways to overcome your anger? Where's Beaver doesn't live here anymore? The series—that's the one I was looking for. Where's the you know we're not, we don't do the Bible? Amen. And if it's in there, we teach it because it's in there for a reason. So contending for the faith by continually pointing people back to the word of God. And so he gives three examples of what happens when you have the word of God and you have the words of men and you choose the words of men over the word of God. When that happens, here's here's the result. Look at verse 5. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Now that doesn't sound very loving or very gracious, unless you understand what happened here. Jude reminds them of what happened in Numbers 14. Again, just briefly. They were in bondage in Egypt for 400 years, the children of Israel. While they were there, they were there because they had turned their back on God. Then they cried out to God. God heard them, and he sent a deliverer whose name was Moses. Moses. So Moses comes, and God uses him. That God brings the plagues upon Egypt. And if you remember, the final plague is, was Passover. This is the death of the firstborn son, but they later referred to it as Passover. And here's what would happen. If you took the blood of the lamb, it had to be the blood of a firstborn spotless lamb, and you had to take that blood, and you had to put it on your doorpost, at the feet, at both sides, and at the top, shape of a what? Cross. Cross. Then the angel of death would pass over and you would be delivered out of bondage. Egypt being a type of the world. Well, after they were delivered out of bondage, God brought them through the Red Sea. He parted the Red Sea. They saw all the plagues. Then he parts the Red Sea and wipes out the greatest army on the earth at the time, the Egyptian army. All 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 the Pharaoh's people did the dead man float if you went to youth group. So... The Egyptians, right, they were floating. In the, and then they get to Mount Sinai, and God speaks from Mount Sinai. You guys remember this? And when he speaks, he spoke audibly, and they were shaking in their boots. And they said to Moses, you go talk to him, because He don't let him talk anymore, or we're going to die. Now, I'm telling you all this, because then they went to Kadesh Barnea, and when they got there, God had called them, commanded them when you get there go into the land of promise they get there and they send in 12 spies instead you remember this Caleb and Joshua come back and say it's just what God said the land is flowing with milk and honey it's awesome the other 10 came back and said there's giants in the land they're going to crush us like locusts they're going to step on us like bugs if we go in there now you have the word of men and you have the word of God who should they have obeyed word of God what did they do they obeyed the word of man and what happened they wandered in the wilderness for an entire generation until all those people died. Guys, it was God's righteous judgment upon unbelief. We look and we think, well, wait a minute. No, God said, go into the land. God had a plan for them. They rejected it, and it was consequences of their behavior. It wasn't a lack of God's love. It was were rejecting what He had for them. Secondly, along with the unbelief that we see in Israel, We had the angels who fell from heaven because of rebellion. Look at verse 6. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Now you read that and you think, these poor angels, what did they do? Well, here's what they did. The angels are in heaven. They get to see God face to face. They get to have intimate fellowship with him. And then one rose up whose name was? lucifer lucifer is the most beautiful of all the angels and he started getting puffed up with himself go to isaiah 14 and he says i will be like the most high i will i will i will i will and so he tries to overthrow god that's dumb tries to overthrow god and what happens he loses amen well, sadly, we know from Revelation that a third of the angels had lined up with Lucifer and they were all cast out of heaven together and they're known today as the demons. Yes, there are demons. Amen? There are. Now, we don't see a demon under every rock and there's not the demon of chocolate or whatever. Um, but I'm, what I will say is that, hey, there are demons and we do need to recognize that. But praise God, the greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? Amen? Devil can't do anything to you. And Flip Wilson was wrong. Devil can't make you do anything. God is in control, and He's faithful. So the angels—they were cast out of heaven. Why? Because they rebelled against God. Again, these words are coming, but you understand He's talking about the false teachers, and He's taking them back to examples of hey, if you listen to the words of men instead of the word of God. You get in like these angels cast out of heaven. You get in like the children of Israel who wandered in the wilderness. And then finally, the last example as we close, verse 7. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. That was the verse where the guy said, okay then, welcome to Calvary Chapel. (laughs) No, here's the, glad you could join us today, eternal fire. But here's the thing, it's in the Bible for a reason, amen? Now why did they face eternal fire? Sodom and Gomorrah, we all know the story there, but He's addressing the Gnostic teaching that says you can live like the world, you can be in your flesh, you can succumb to all the passions of your flesh as long as you gave your heart to Jesus. It's okay. Give your heart to Jesus, give your flesh to the world. It's fine. Now he's giving the example of, well, not so much. Because the, the people in Sodom and Gomorrah gave themselves over to their flesh and how did God respond? Now remember, he was gracious first because Sodom and Gomorrah was the most lush of all the land. Remember, Abraham told Lot he could pick which way he wanted to go and Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. Why? Because it was beautiful and it was lush and it was green. But remember, he pitched his tent towards Sodom and then he was you know camped outside of Sodom and before you know it, he was in the gates of Sodom. And Lot was living there and this place was out of control. We know from both... Uh, the text itself in Genesis, but also later, that in Sodom and Gomorrah, not only was there rampant sexual immorality, but you find out from Ezekiel that there was idleness, great wealth. So basically, they laid around and fed their flesh. That was what they did. The reason God brought judgment, and this is what could get me thrown in prison later, is because of homosexuality. Now, lest we be be confused, the Lord loves people caught up in homosexuality. Amen? Amen. And so should we. Amen? Amen. Okay, Lord loves and we love them. It's sin. So is sex outside of marriage. Amen? Amen? So sexual immorality is running rampant, but in the midst of it, you know, it's pretty sad because you, you guys know the story. Two angels go down there. Remember this story? And they're going to camp outside. They're going to sleep outside and a lot comes out and goes, ah, oh, uh, bad idea. Um... Come to my house. What? Come to my house. Get in my house. You can't stay out here at night. Why? Well, here's why. Because if any new person came into town, sexual morality, especially homosexuality, was so rampant that any new person came into town would be raped by the men in town. And so they took, he took the men and put them in his house. And then the men came and found out were banging on his door saying, send them out here that we might know them carnally. And you remember what Lot said? Take my virgin daughters instead. What? You know, he's called righteous Lot later. Doesn't that just give you a measure of, wow, God's grace is incredible, isn't it? Amen? You're taking my daughter. Are you kidding me? But that's what Lot said. He was so concerned. Remember what happened? The angels blinded the men. Just blinded them. And then brought them out. Remember, God said he would save Sodom and Gomorrah for 10 righteous. You remember that? couldn't find 10 righteous. So what did he do? He brought down righteous judgment only after reaching out to them again and again and again and again and again. Here's the point. Our God desires that none should perish. No, not one. He doesn't want to see anybody separated from him, but at the same time, he's a God who cannot allow sin in his presence or he'd have earth part two. He can't have sin in heaven. We have this mess all over again. So if there can be no sin in heaven, then our sin must be paid for. That's why Jesus came. So that's the only way you and I can get to heaven. And so if we rebel against that and we reject that and we mock God and we rebel against God and we go the ways of men, the Gnostics said, go live in your flesh. God doesn't care. Really? How about Sodom and Gomorrah? Do you see that he's taken them where? To the word of God to get the answers. Guys, can I encourage you? Let's not share our opinion. Let's point them to the word of God. The word of God has the answers. Our hope lies in God's Word. So, these false teachers, there's a choice between obeying, obeying your fleshly passions and the Word of God, and they would say, choose your passion. Your flesh is evil anyway, don't worry about it. Jude says, don't listen to the words of men, but look instead to God's word. Unbelief, rebellion, sexual immorality, the resulting consequences could have been avoided had they simply heeded God's word above the words of men. So too today, the same compromises are taking place in the world. Guys, the word of God needs to be our authority. What would happen if we read this as much as we watch TV? Oh, Pastor Dave, why do you got to go? I was with you all the way up until that. I was digging the whole thing. I was thinking, maybe I'll come back next week. Man, now you got a cap on my TV. I'm not like... But here's the point. I got a TV. Here's the point, though. The Bible says we're to desire the word of God more than our necessary food. I fall short on that one. Again, imagine if you read the Bible more times than you opened the fridge. Wow. you would have the whole thing memorized. Amen. I've seen some of you guys eat. We have a copy feast next week. But here's here's the truth. Here's the truth. God loves us. And he loves us enough that he didn't leave us down here trying to figure it out by ourselves. He gave us his word. He gave us his Holy Spirit that we might understand. Why in the world would we try to fight through life without his direction? You know what? It's been said that sin can keep you from this book or this book can keep you from sin. Spend time in it. Your life will change. Amen? Amen. The way you know, the more you you get to know him, the more you love him because he's such a lovable God. Amen? Amen. You want to know him better? You want to have greater faith? Spend time in his word. So, in closing, contending for the faith by humbly reminding other believers of all the blessings they have in Christ, by being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading to stand for the truth, and by continually pointing people back to the word of God. The only way we can point them back to it is if we know it ourselves. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who illuminates your truth to us. Father, I pray if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, that it's not, we're not asking anybody to join a church, to become a member. But Lord, you've brought everyone here by divine appointment. And Lord, you're holding out salvation universally, but it must be accepted individually. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You want to know for sure that you're going to heaven. You must first understand that you're a sinner. And then you must repent of your sin. The word repent means to turn away from it. Turn away from your sin and to the Lord and lay your life at his feet. You ask him to not just be your savior, but your Lord. And you know what the Bible says? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And so you can walk out of here knowing for sure that you're going to heaven. And I'm not going to ask you to do anything, but simply, the Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. If you've put your faith in a religion, it's time to have a relationship. If you've put your faith in any man or, or being baptized as a baby... It's time for you to make a personal commitment to the Lord and let it be today. As the Holy Spirit draws you, may you respond. If that's your desire, I just want you to raise your hand right where you are. Anybody at all? God bless you. Anybody else? Today's the day of salvation. The Lord loves you. Anybody else? Come on. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Anybody else? Well, if you raise your hand, I just want you to pray these words out loud with me. And even if you didn't, it's your desire to give your life to the Lord. Don't be ashamed of him. He loves you. Say this out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning and I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me, to make me a new creation. I repent of my sin. Help me, Lord, to turn from my sin and to you. I believe that Jesus is God. That he died on the cross. That he rose from the dead. Help me, Lord, to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The Bible says when one person is saved on earth, that all the angels in heaven rejoice. There's a party in heaven right now. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up and worship the Lord.